0: It is so good to be here. Uh, yes, I am the uh, conference superintendent. Uh, we are uh, Your church is an important church, and it's part of this conference of churches. We have about fifty churches in Oregon and Washington uh, between here in Florence and up through spokane, and uh, so it is. Uh, the, the most fun, the best part of the job, is visiting churches on Sundays. Okay, that is the best part. Sitting in the office, that's no fun. Meetings, no fun. I have a book called Death by Meeting. I'm trying to see if that's really true, okay? And we're getting close, we're getting close. But it, it is so much fun visiting the churches, uh, let's see, next Sunday, uh, I'll be up at our our church in Wenatchee. We have a you have a sister church in Wenatchee and so I'll be preaching up there It'll be a different sermon. Uh, so don't worry about that So uh, but we'll be at uh, well I'll be at Wenatchee next Sunday and then all kinds of chaos and craziness. It is so good to be here, too I, I Tim and Angie are uh, dear to us. Uh, we, we really appreciate Tim and Angie. My wife Donna Lynn is here. Donna Lynn is uh, kind of heads up uh, Women's Ministries for the Pacific Conference, pretty much the healthiest, uh, most vibrant uh, organism that's part of the conference activities here. And so Donalyn leads women's ministry things with women's retreat and women's fall missions thing and all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, Donalyn and Tim are also birthday buddies. They have the same birthday. And I think different years, though I'm not sure. Not asking, okay? So we're not getting into that. Uh, Tim and Angie uh, were—they um, were with us. I pastored at Sweet Home Evangelical Church for 12 years, and Tim and Angie were with us for a time, not quite six months, but boy, that was such a great time. We look back on that with great memories. Also, this church is the church that recommended me to be a ministry candidate for uh, credentialing here in the Pacific Conference. This church is the church that said, hey, we believe this guy should be in ministry. So either this church gets credit or blame, either way, depending on who you talk to. But uh, my, my dad uh, pastored this church uh many years ago uh back in the late 80s uh I go to churches and uh some churches say oh I remember you when you were running around as a little kid that was not the case here okay my dad pastored here while I was going to college and uh so I tell people I summered at the coast uh but uh uh, yeah, I spent what one summer. I worked uh, well. I worked a few different jobs. One of those, I worked at A and W here in town, and so that was all kinds of fun-ish. Uh, and then I spent one summer pulling veneer on the green chain uh, for Davidson over there in Mapleton, and that was the job. Has anybody, any of you worked in a lumber mill type of thing? Yeah. That is the job that let me know you need to stay in school, Brian, because this is not in your long term future here. Oh, my word. Uh, and then I spent a summer working at Pizza Hut here in town, and I guess they just closed that down, didn't they? What in the world? What? Ah) oh. It's OK. Pizza Hut is not quite the fine dining experience it used to be back in the 80s. I mean, really, it, it was. Uh, but uh, it is, it's so good being here. I, um, oh, I went uh, to college up in Canada. My wife is Canadian. And so, yes, we have a foreigner here in our midst. Uh, but uh, uh, Donald and I went to college together up in Canada. And, and, and I would go back and forth from here all the way up to Medicine Hat, Alberta and uh go go up to canada and uh oh it was weird being an american living uh in i mean canada it's almost like a foreign country up there it really is and today we're going to look at being an ambassador. Tim told me, uh, okay, here's what you're preaching on today. So I don't get to pull out one of my sermons that I've been using in various churches this year. No. Uh, so good for Tim saying, no, here's your passage you're preaching on. And I'm very tied to my notes. I, uh, when I was a pastor, I would normally practice the sermon a couple times before I preach. I didn't get to Chance to practice what I preach today, so we're just gonna go for it. And I'm gonna stick to my notes because when I get away from my notes, I tend to say dumb things. But uh, we're in Second in Corinthians chapter 5 today, and, and this section it talks about being ambassadors. Uh, a lot of you, you got a Bible, and, and there's like headings in those paragraph things in the Bible, and it talks about in, ambassadors and things like that. And And keep in mind, Paul. Is writing to a church. Okay? So, this ambassador deal, it's not just a deal for superhero pastors like the Apostle Paul or your Pastor Tim. Okay? This is for all of us. And, you know, the Bible's telling Christians that we are ambassadors. You ever sit there and think to yourself as a Christian, you know, I. I guess I'm an ambassador here. We don't really think about that too often, do we? When we think of being a Christian, this is just one of those, it's not towards the top of the list of how we view ourselves. But Paul is saying, you're an ambassador. And what does that mean? He says in verse 20 right there, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Well, what does that mean to be an ambassador? When you have a job... You, you kind of want to know what you're supposed to do, okay? I, uh, last year, uh, they, they voted me in to be the superintendent for the conference. It is a joy and a privilege to serve as a superintendent. I don't really know what I'm doing. Don't tell anybody this, but uh, uh, my dad was a pastor in the conference. My great-grandpa was a pastor. so it, To me, it's a tremendous joy and a privilege to serve, but boy, it's different than being a pastor. And so I'm trying to figure out, how do I do this? And, and, you know, if you've ever changed jobs before, you're trying to, now, how do I do this? What's supposed to go on? And so if we're to be ambassadors, like Paul says, what does this mean? Uh, there's this strange idea, you know, it's a strange idea that we don't normally think about. But what does an ambassador do? Well, okay, so... Uh, these days, I mean, they're not quite as important as they used to be because they got telephones and texting and all of this stuff. Uh, think back years ago, but I mean, the president will nominate an ambassador to go to a foreign country, right? And But they have to be confirmed by the Senate, which moves at the speed of government and things like that. So back in the old days, the king would just appoint an ambassador. You are the ambassador to this country. And... And then just be done with it. And the ambassador was a person who would go and live in that foreign country, but also be a representative for their president or king. So they're, 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 they belong to this country, but we're living here right now. The ambassador is not the king or the president. They're, they're not elected. They're just on staff it's not really a high paying job either. They are sent out on this diplomatic mission to represent the leader of the nation while they are living in this foreign country. So, let's say for instance you were the president and you're appointing ambassadors, you would look for someone who is going to represent the country well, right? If you're the president and you're taking your job seriously and you're appointing ambassadors to all these foreign countries, you try to find somebody who's going to represent us well. And you're looking for someone who's also going to kind of not cause problems and abide by the laws in the country where they are living. And, you know, you answer to the president, but you're also trying to uh, be respectful in this country where you live. And that really is kind of our role as Christians. This is not our home country, is it? Oh, my goodness. You know, I like living in America, okay? It's, it's, it's up there in my favorite countries. I mean, America is really, really great. And then Canada, my wife is Canadian, so that's pretty good. Uh, there's also Israel and Narnia and other places that were, you know, really good places to live. But uh, this is not our home, is it? It's, it's not. Paul says this in, in Philippians, where you are citizens of heaven. I, br- I brought my passport today. Uh, this is my passport. It says, I really am American citizen. Okay, I got my passport here. And, and yet, when you become a believer, you have a spiritual passport. The Bible tells us when we become a Christian, we, we now have citizenship in heaven. Maybe you know of somebody who, uh, who grew up, and they had a parent who was in the military or in a missionary or something like that. They were born in a foreign country, yet they are citizens of the United States. I think Pastor Rob was like that. I, don't, I, don't, I think he was born overseas somewhere. And uh, yeah, so they, they were born there, but they really are a citizen here. And that's true for all of us. You may have been born here on earth, but when you were born again, you became a citizen of heaven. Not only that, but you are left here as an ambassador. Too many Christians are, well, they're citizens of heaven and they're content with that, and they're just kind of tourists while they're here on earth. I'm just going to enjoy my time here. I'm on vacation. No big deal. I'm waiting until I finally leave this place and move on to heaven, but that's not how this works. You're not a tourist here on earth. You are an ambassador. You represent the values of your true home in heaven, and you speak on behalf of the Lord God Almighty here on earth. So, if this is our job how do we do this okay we are in let's see we're going to use the bible here okay so we're in the bible here uh what does it say second corinthians oh my goodness there's there's scripture right up there too i'm i use the new living translation just because it's easy to read and uh i got a free bible uh, a while ago. So that, you know, two, 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 uh, two deals right there. So anyway, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's see, verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. We are, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems like we are crazy, I think this might be a life verse for me. If it seems like we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who received this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So, We have stopped evaluating ourselves from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. Anybody experience that in your life? How differently you know Him now. Praise the Lord. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has come. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him for God was in Christ reconciling the earth to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So now we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Okay, so got a nice simple sermon here. I don't try to, I try to keep it as simple as I possibly can, but uh, uh, yeah, wh- what's important here, if we're to be an ambassador like the Bible tells us to be, what do we need to do? What, what, number one on the, on the list here is I need to understand the responsibility. We need to understand our responsibility here. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. Back in Acts chapter 18, uh, Paul came to Corinth. Tim's probably gone over some of this just to give you context of the book of Corinthians, first and second Corinthians. Paul comes to Corinth, and and he, you know, church gets started, and Paul is preaching this Jewish Jesus, and the Jews in the synagogue get upset at Paul, don't they? And because what to them was heresy, and so they. You know, they're in Corinth there in Acts 18 and they take Paul to court. Now, their court was much different than our courts today. Our courts today, oh my goodness, you got to go through metal detectors. It's kind of boring. They drag it out forever and hardly anybody goes there. In Paul's day, the governor was not just the governor, the governor is also the judge. And so the governor would sit in a very public place and it was quite an event to do court times. And the Jews, they brought Paul up on charges. They bring him to court, and the governor is the judge, and he says, well, Paul hasn't broken any laws that I see on the books here, so get out of here. This is not a crime. Now, my favorite part of that story is is the Jews from the synagogue were so mad that they beat up the leader of the synagogue because he couldn't do anything to stop Paul from preaching about this Jesus guy. It says in verse 20 that we will stand before Christ and be judged. Now, I am far from claiming that I know exactly how the end times are going to work out. I really have no idea. Oh, people have wanted me to preach and teach on the end time stuff. And I tell you, while my dad was a pastor here... Uh, my dad pastored here back in 1988, and I still have one of those books, 88 Reasons Why the Lord's Going to Return in 1988. So, I, you know, maybe our guesses aren't always right. Uh, I'm not. I don't know when it's going I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just going to say there's a whole lot I don't know. But what I and so I'm going to let the theologians work on that and figure that out. But this judgment that he's talking about isn't about getting into heaven or not. Paul's talking about this whole getting a new body, you get into heaven, and then it says we will be judged, and he moves, and he moves on about you know what happens, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I, 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 this isn't really a, an up or down judgment. It just lets us know that we're accountable for the way we live our lives while we're here on earth. I did some slight research about United States ambassadors. That's called, I Googled it, okay? But I did, I did research, right? And you know, there are really no real qualifications for being an ambassador. That's I don't know if that's good or bad news, but there, there's no qualifications. You don't have to have a degree in foreign relations. You don't have to even speak the language of the country you're going to. Uh, You you just the president can appoint anybody they want. However, presidents normally look for someone that understands the responsibility of the situation and the position. Paul says in verse eleven, we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Occasionally, ambassadors are appointed because they donated a pile of cash to that president's campaign. Uh, but usually you look for someone that understands the responsibility, and you're representing the leader of the country. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I need to believe that Jesus died for all. We need to believe that Jesus died for all. Presidents, prime ministers, kings, they all look for an ambassador that, who shares their beliefs. Uh, when there is a presidential election. Oh, my word. And I I mean, politics has just gotten so toxic these days. It's just ridiculous. I'm not a fan. I'm so glad I'm a citizen of heaven, right? And, And so when you have an election and you have one person wins the election, one person loses the election, the person who wins the election, their president, they are not going to ask the person who lost the election to be an ambassador for them to another country, right? No, they wouldn't do that. Why? Because they have a much different view of how of the country and how things should be run and, and a much different vision. When you're in charge, you're going you're gonna to have people who represent your same values and your same belief system. So what is that essential values and belief system that we have as Christians when we are ambassadors here on earth? He says in verse 14, we believe that Christ died for all. This is where you say amen, okay? We believe that Christ died for all. Every single one of us. God so loved the whole world. He died for all of us. That's why this lawsuit filed against Paul uh, in Corinth. uh, Because this very Jewish Jesus, this descendant of David, came to fulfill what was prophesied in the Old Testament and as a result, the whole sacrifices and the whole Old Testament system was upended and changed. Jesus didn't come just to keep the status quo going, He came to change it. It's not just this group, He died for everybody now. And, and here we are. These, this was a struggle. We see this all through the New Testament. Does this mean that we let go of this Jewish heritage, sort of, but not really? This means that the chosen people aren't just the Jews. Now we're all chosen people. God has called all of us, He died for all of us because of His great love. God is the King of heaven, and He has us here on earth to be His ambassadors. We're citizens of heaven, we need to represent heaven well. We need to share in the core values of what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And at the heart of that core value is that Jesus died for all people. If we deny this, we're denying what it means to be a citizen of heaven. In fact, you can't be a citizen of heaven without believing this. Paul wrote to the church in Romans. He says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and then the Gentile. Well, that's good news for us. The heart of our belief system is that we believe that Jesus came to die for no good, lousy sinners like all of us. And therefore, we get to number three. Therefore, we change our view. Everything gets changed. We change our view. Uh, It says in verse 16, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. Uh, My my great-grandpa Cleveland, uh, he pastored a little bit in the conference, but was mostly a school teacher, and he retired in Sweet Home, Oregon. And so he went to that sweet home evangelical church uh, and, um, and, oh, he passed away, I think, almost 30 years ago. And so when I went there 13 years ago, the old timers remember Archie Cleveland. So I had a little bit of favor when I stepped into the church. Because, oh, you're Archie's grandson. Well, great-grandson, whatever. And, uh, I remember as a kid going to Sweet Home and we'd go to great-grandma and grandpa's house and, um, and, and that house is still there. It's on Main Street in Sweet Home. It's next to the 7-Eleven and I, had not, I, I hadn't been in that house since my great-grandma Cleveland passed away back when I was about eight years old. Now, a couple years ago, I, I ran into, uh, well, that house was, there was an estate sale. The people who lived there died and they're doing this big estate sale and I did a walkthrough of the house. and Have you ever done something like that? I mean, you know, you go in this house, I hadn't been inside the house since I was eight years old and I walked in that house and everything looked familiar, but what was the problem with it? What is it, what happens when you do something like that? The house is a lot smaller now, isn't it? Yeah, I think sadly I've picked up a lot of weight since I was eight years old. Okay, it's it's uh, I I just I'm I'm working on it, but I picked up a lot of weight since I was eight years old, and I'm a little bit taller now too. And and you know when you walk into a house you haven't been in since you were a little kid, you get these memories come back, but you have this different perspective and different point of view. And Paul, you know, that's kind of, that's a beginning of this. Paul says he goes beyond that, though. It's not that you've just slowly grown up over the years, and now you're taller, and you have a different perspective here of where you're looking at things. But when you are in Christ, your point of view is completely different now. When we understand our responsibility to represent God well here on earth, the core belief system, is that Jesus died for our sins. This really does change how we view other people, doesn't it? We we view other people way too often on like, well, they're a good person or they're not a good person. Well, that doesn't matter, does it? Uh, None of us are godly, perfect, and righteous enough to get to heaven on our own. We're all all in need of Jesus. And so, therefore, we view everybody in need of Jesus, just like us at one point. This is why when you become a Christian, many times it's known as conversion. There is a change that takes place in you. If a person believes and accepts the gospel and there's no change in their life, maybe they didn't really believe and accept the gospel, okay? Nobody as big as Jesus can come into your life and not make changes in your life. And uh, there, if there hasn't been a change, we, you know, there needs to be a change. Not just in the way we view ourselves and God and heaven, but the way we view others too. Just, uh, just uh, you know... It, too many people are just adding, you know, think they're just adding a little bit of Jesus in in their life, kind of like some decoration or frosting on the cake. That's not how this works, okay? It's an all-or-nothing thing. Has Jesus really changed your life? The next verse in this chapter was on the front of the bulletin for 12 years the whole time I was at Sweet Home Church, and uh, it it was the mission for the church. Uh, the mission for the church is we are growing fully devoted followers of Christ, and uh, the, uh, the Bible is a big and sometimes complicated book, and so we boiled that. What does that mean? And we boiled it down to six things. What does that mean to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? And uh, so we boiled it down to, and I love my acrostics, and so, uh, you know, we had the acrostic on Christ, and we've committed our lives fully to God. We honor God through worship. Let's see, R, reading, reading and applying God's word, introducing people to Jesus Christ, showing God's love to everybody, and training believers for a life of service. And then I had that verse 17 there, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, they are a new creation. The New Testament uses this term quite a bit, uh, to be in Christ, to be a Christian. But it says if they are in Christ, a Christian, they are a new creation, our view of everything changes. We are a brand new creation. We are born again. And we now view people as God views them. Therefore, number four, we need to speak for Christ. We speak for Christ. He says there in verse 19, 20, for God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. God's reconciling the world. Reconcile, that means to restore friendly relations. As ambassadors, we have not been sent to a nice easy post like going to Canada or... Uh, I don't know, Fiji or something like that. Bahamas, maybe? I don't know. You're running away from hurricanes, so maybe not there. Uh, But uh, we have not been sent to this nice, easy post. We have been sent to a place where the value system is completely different than the world that we live in. Uh, We've been sent to, you know, think of it as like we're ambassadors, but we're ambassadors to Iran or North Korea, okay? It's a completely different view of how the world works. And as his ambassadors, we get to deliver this wonderful message. It's not like we're giving bad news, okay? There's way too much bad news in this world, isn't there? We got 24-hour bad news stations going on here. There is good news, and this is called the gospel. The gospel is just a fancy word that means good news. We are delivering good news that even though this world has an expiration date, and I'm not sure when it is, probably wasn't 1988, but at some point there will be an expiration date. God is reconciling the world to himself. He's not dropping an atomic bomb or anything. Instead, he made a way to end hostilities and restore friendly relations through Jesus. Verse 21 summarizes the gospel message, doesn't it? For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are God's ambassadors sharing the good news of reconciliation with God through Jesus. Therefore, we get to number five, we need to proclaim the message. It's up to us to proclaim this message. God gave us plenty of commands about proclaiming the message. We call this the Great Commission. Uh, this is a big deal in, uh, what, the end of the Gospel of Matthew. There's also other similar things in all the other Gospels in the beginning of the book of Acts. At the end of John, John chapter 20, Jesus says, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are an ambassador to this world in the same way Jesus was an ambassador coming from the kingdom of heaven to the kingdoms of this world with a message of peace. And then Paul says in in chapter 6, verse 1, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of kindness and then ignore it. Here at the beginning of chapter 6, Paul now does, he tells us, here's what you're supposed to do. Keep, keep in mind, this is a letter to a church. It's not a letter to like, you know, the platinum level super Christians uh, like Tim and Angie, okay? No, this is a letter for everybody, all of us. It's This is standard level Christian stuff. This is for all of us. We are to share this message. Just like, uh, you know, I... I'm pretty sh- I, oh, I'm very aware. I am not perfect. Uh, church is not full of perfect people. I visited most of our churches. We have a, a whole bunch of imperfect people going to our churches, praise the Lord. Uh, and yet, we follow and serve a perfect God who gives us this message to proclaim, and he tells you, don't accept this gift and ignore it. Ah, remember that song when you were kids, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? Hide it under a bushel? No, okay, good, a few of you are with me here. Yeah, don't hide that under a bushel. A few years ago, we kind of, we upgraded cars. Uh, let's see, we got a different car for Lynn, uh a new to us car, because uh, that's we're, we're in that new you know, level of new to us. And so then Donna Lynn's old car went to our girl Maria, and then we got rid of Maria's car, and we sold it. And Sweet Home's a small town, so of course, you know the people that you're selling it to. And uh, they bought it uh, for their teenage daughter. Uh, was it Shelby? Shelby? Yeah, Shelby just got her driver's license. And parents got her this car. I was happy to get rid of it, okay? But uh, parents got her this car, and Shelby, 16-year-old kid, okay? What happened? You know, they, they get her this car, did she say, oh, that's nice, and then throw the keys in a drawer, and yeah, you I'll know, get around to driving that maybe someday? No. No, she's a teenage kid who has her own car now. She's taking pictures of it. She's taking selfies with her and her car and putting those selfies on Instagram, okay? This is exciting news that she needs to share with everybody. Paul says, don't just accept this gift of salvation and then ignore it. Don't just throw the keys in a drawer and ignore it. This is exciting stuff. This is a gift we accept from God. If you haven't received that salvation from God, maybe the right time is now. If you have received salvation, you have a new passport. They get you a new passport when you change countries. I, this is my United States passport. Passport. But when you become a believer, you have a passport that says your citizenship is in heaven. You get this new passport. Don't just throw it in a drawer and ignore that and say, oh, I need to grab that before I die. No, 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 no. No, you are God's ambassadors here on earth. You are here to represent heaven and let this world know that Jesus died for this world and he loves this world, and we have good news in spite of all the chaos in this crazy world we live in. I'm gonna pray, and then we're rolling over into communion right now, okay. Uh, Dear Lord, I pray for each one here today that we could say yes to you. Lord, you are here in this place, You've been here in this place over many, many decades. So many sermons have been preached right from this spot. And one more seems to get lost in the mix, yet you are here as the eternal God, have been here for all of those. Lord, help us to listen for what you have to say to us today. Lord, I pray for each one here today that we could say yes to you. Maybe today's the day to say, yes, I need Jesus in my life. I need to take that step and truly invite Christ into my life because Jesus died for all people, even me. Maybe I need to take that step of saying, you know, I've accepted my salvation, but I've been keeping that passport in the drawer and not really living it out much while I'm here on earth. Lord, help us to say yes to you. Lord, I pray for each one that we could say yes to you, that we could accept your gift, draw near to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.